All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. Can't believe, as everybody says, that's the thing to say, right? Can't believe it's here because it's like, wow, here we are. Uh, Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. And uh, wow, it's exciting. But uh, uh, we, we wanted to share that thought with you just as we get going because this morning as we talk about this uh, last name, I trust it will be an encouragement to you. So the day before Christmas, and I want you to remember, Christmas began in darkness. I mean, it really did. We don't think about it that way. It sounds so negative. Christmas Eve, Christmas began in darkness, but it did. Think back to where we began in our Christmas messages back in Isaiah chapter 8. And uh, Mitch got us kicked off the Sunday after Thanksgiving and back in Isaiah chapter 8 and and verse 19, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists and whisper and mutter and should not uh, a people inquire of their God, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? This is what Israel was doing. They're consulting mediums and spiritists and they weren't consulting God. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Talk about a dark day. In fact, as we move right into verse 22 there of Isaiah chapter 8, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into outer darkness, utter darkness. Verse 1, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future we will honor Galilee. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Christmas began in the darkness. And that's why Jesus, the light of the world, came to be born on this earth. And... uh, as, as we think about that this morning, Israel was living in darkness because they had turned their backs on God. Isaiah, with a text in which we've been studying, and Jeremiah had prophesied to Israel and Judah, all 12 tribes, the, the northern tribes, the southern tribes, that they had turned their backs on God. And as a result, God was going to bring his wrath and judgment. He was going to use the nations of Assyria and then of Babylon to take them out of their country into exile because of their sin. That's why the land was dark. Jerusalem ultimately would be destroyed as a result. But a child was born and a son was given. And it is that child, that son, who provided the light that was necessary. And as we think about that, Isaiah 9, 7, that child, the, the Messiah, Jesus, 
the Son of God, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. He is the great deliverer, and that was the promised child. He was the promised son. Verse 7 of chapter 9, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He would one day rule. Jesus would one day rule the th on the throne of David in Jerusalem for a thousand years and then for eternity. That's what we're talking about here. That's what, what Isaiah has been, when, when he moves and talks about the government that's coming and the, the, the reign of Jesus, we're thinking down the road. We're thinking after Jesus comes back to take his church out of this world and, and there goes the seven years of tribulation then, then following the millennium. And that is where Jesus will reign from, his throne, from the throne of David in Jerusalem. So I got to ask you, as we wrap up these names of Jesus that we've been looking at in the book of Isaiah, if you had to choose one, just one, which of these names would you choose? Everlasting Father. Would, everlasting Father. There you go, see? All right. And, and, and Scott preached, you all figured this out, right? They just yelled out the names they preach on. That wasn't, that wasn't arranged ahead of time. But uh, Joe, did you preach on? No. All right. Wonderful counselor, but you remember that I did, right? Right. Right. All right. Good deal. All right. So there it is. So which would it be? I mean, which of those names would best meet the needs that you feel in your life today? All right. Yeah. I mean, as you think about that, the, the list, that's, that's tough. Um, and I recognize that could be a very difficult question because maybe there's something about each of those names that you need, that you feel today. The day before Christmas, and there may not be a lot of joy. There may be sadness. There may be, you may be feeling overwhelmed. You may be feeling like the lady who wrote that song that, that the Mitchells just sang for us and Whatever that may be, Jesus has promised to meet those needs. But there's more because you don't have to choose. We get them all. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, we get the benefit of all of those names. And there's even one more, and we're going to look at that, the last one in that amazing list, the incredible list of names. So please open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. And verse 6, if you don't have a Bible with you, um, underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible. And in that Bible would be page 479, page 479. So Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, look at that. We've read that numerous times now. We've been through that. But here we go one more time this Christmas season. Isaiah chapter 9. And verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. And if you've been with us for the last uh, four weeks or three weeks, you know that Prince of Peace is where we're going today. The last of the four names that were given. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And, and the four names that, we've, as we've talked about, have been the focus of our series. A light is dawned. Jesus is that light. And his birth was that dawning. And the beauty of it all is we get the advantage of taking advantage of all those names in our life. Today, the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And that's a great truth for us to consider this morning. The idea of Prince, and I'm going to focus more on peace today, but the idea of Prince, when, when Isaiah talks about that, the word Prince means one who, who removes all peace-disturbing factors in our lives and secures peace for us. One who has the power, the authority to remove all distractions and disturbances that would keep peace from coming. Prince is the name behind the disappointment of the Jews. When Jesus came as Messiah, they weren't interested in Jesus being the Prince of Peace. They wanted him to be the king. They wanted him to set up his throne right then, right there, and defeat the Roman Empire and all the other armies, just like David and Solomon had done in their reign as king. That's what Israel was looking for. But instead, Jesus, we're told, is the prince of peace. Now, this morning I thought about an outline. I thought about continuing that two-word outline that kind of have we've been moving on and thought we'd talk about prince and then peace, right? Um, uh, or then I thought, well, maybe I'd go with got peace. Remember, got milk, Scott told us, yeah, got power, right? But no, I thought, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I landed here. There are three kinds of peace that God wants to give you this Christmas. Three kinds of peace that God wants to give you this Christmas, that he wants to be your possession. Maybe you're lacking peace this morning. Uh, maybe you're like the songwriter that John read to us about, overwhelmed with doubt and fear and, and just needs in her life. And it may be this morning as we look around, we're, we're a lacking peace because of what's happening in our world. Around the world, there are wars and rumors of wars everywhere you look, right? And as we think about that, it seems there is conflict and tension everywhere we turn. 2024 is an election year, right? I have this sense, I'm assuming that year 2024 is only going to add to the lack of peace in our country. Years ago, 1864, uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It really started out as a poem. And the first two verses, they say this, um, says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. 
In music sweet, the tones repeat, there's peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then he continues, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Huh? Hate is strong? Sound like the newspapers today, right? Sounds like the evening news. Doesn't matter where we go, what we see, the hate is strong. It's there. And, and so years ago, the need for peace isn't new. It's been around forever. Uh, in fact, the promise of peace was given that first Christmas morning by the angel to the shepherds when they said in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace, right? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let's take a look at those three kinds of peace that God wants us to have. First of all, there's the peace with God. Peace with God. That's spiritual peace. And if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where I want you to see this. As we talk about the peace with God. God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, when we talk about this, a spiritual peace, this is the most important piece of the three that we're going to talk about this morning. Everything else is affected by whether or not you are at peace with God. Keep that preposition in mind. Peace with God. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who was born that first Christmas morning, right? Though they didn't know it was Christmas. That morning that he was born that has provided the means for peace with God. Look down to verse 8 of Romans chapter 5. Verse 8. And in verse 8, we read, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing, folks. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, that's declared to be right before God. That's what the word justified means. God has declared us right before God because of his blood, if we believe. That condition is critical. But he says, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 9. Where's there? Verse 10, excuse me. Verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, folks, without Jesus Christ, we are an enemy of God. We're born that way. There's nothing we do to get it, or we don't become enemies or sinners. We're born that way. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Peace with God. Even though we are God's enemies, Jesus, God's son, died for us. His death removed God's wrath. 
Jesus' death on the cross rendered us savable. It made our salvation possible. That's reconciliation. Um, for all who would believe, that's where it comes in. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for those who would believe to be declared right, to be saved, to be forgiven. God removed the barrier of sin when Jesus went to the cross. Through Christ's death, sin, listen, sin keeps us separated from God. Sin has, is a barrier between us and God. But Christ's death brought peace and made it possible for us to be saved. Now, we, are, we have our first to fourth graders in here. I don't see many, but do we have any first to fourth graders? I need some help. I, I, I knew you guys were going to be here today, so I thought it would be a good thing if I just had you help me with this sermon. So is, are there any first to fourth graders here that would be willing to come up here? I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just need some help. Anybody? All right, come right on up. John Mark, all right, come on. Who else? One? I need, I need like three. Who's? All right, there, all right, here we go. All right, come right on up. All right, there we go. We got three. All right, right over here, right over here. I sure I need one more, one more. Did I? All right, come on. All right, here we go. Lucy, you're going to join me? No? Why, you don't like me? How about my Christmas tie? You like that? No? <laughs> you know how little, how many few times I wear a tie the day before Christmas, and she doesn't like it. Come on. All right, I need one more. Who wants to help me? Yeah? You got to have to have to be willing. Yes? No? <laughs> All right. Any, anybody else? Come on. All right. Uh, Roger, I knew Roger would help me. This is, yep. All right. All right, here we go. All right. You're going to hurt yourself, Rog. All right. Here's, here's what we need. Roger, why don't you stand right over here and, and just stand like this. Face that way, all right, please? All right. All right. Here. I want you to stand right here. And I'm going to hold that. You hold that, okay? And you hold that, all right? Can you hold that up nice and tight? Here, let me, this, we got all kinds of stuff in the way here. There you go. All right, step back a little bit and hold this tight. There you go. All right, and John Mark, okay. You're going to be right here. Now, this is a picture of reconciliation, all right? So we're going to have Roger, because he's the biggest, we'll have him be God. All right. Don, is that? Uh, all right, well, we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right, so here we are. And, and, and so Roger is in the place of God. John Mark is in the place of all of us sinners. Sorry, but, but we are, right? Right, see, he, he gets it, yeah. Now, this, can you hold that up just a little bit? Yeah. This barrier, that's sin. Sin keeps us from God. In fact, 
God can't even look at us because of that barrier of sin. And we don't want anything to do with God. That's why we're looking out here. We could care less about God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's what we're told in these verses that we just read. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. He went to the cross. He gave his life. He shed his what? Blood. blood. Yeah, he got it. Yes, yes, good. He shed his blood. I'm sorry I put you on the spot. That was, all right. And when that happened, just drop that. Here you go. The barrier of sin went away. And, Raj, turn. Yeah, and you can, that allowed God to look at us. All right, that's still, that's reconciliation. The barrier is gone. God can now look at us if we will believe. And the way that we are saved, the way that the forgiveness of God, the wrath of God takes, the wrath of God is removed and the forgiveness of God happens is that we believe and we turn and face God. And trust, believe that salvation. Does that make sense? Reconciliation, the barrier of sin has been removed. God can now look at us because of Jesus Christ. But we still have to turn and believe. Just because sin has been forgiven and paid for, it's not ours individually until each of us believe by faith and trust Jesus Christ. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate your help. Thank you. I hope that helps because I think sometimes we think that we don't, we read that reconciliation stuff and it doesn't make sense to us. Like, wait a minute, we are reconciled, but we're not. And what we are, we still have to believe for that reconciliation. And then it's like, Okay, once we believe, then there's another word that comes in, propitiation, satisfaction. I'm not going to go there this morning, but, but as we talk about peace, we can now be at peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. He removed the barrier of sin and made it possible for us to be at peace with God. Understand this, we must believe. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse um, he says it in verse 9. Can we back up a little bit, Steve? Yeah. And so, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through, through Jesus when we believe? Then it becomes ours. Peace with God doesn't come from something we do. It comes from something that Jesus did. That's the difference. Because of what Jesus did for us, we can have the peace of God. We can be at peace with God. Listen, God doesn't want us to remain separated. He doesn't want us to be disconnected from him. He wants to have that relationship. He desires that relationship. He took the first step by giving his son on the cross to pay for our sin and when we believe, we respond and we can be saved and forgiven and at peace with him. God wants you, each and every one of us, to have the gift of peace with God.
God, and we can when we believe. But secondly, there's the peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. The prince of peace, peace with God, that's where it all starts. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are still an enemy of God. God, you're, you're not even interested in looking at Jesus. You're not even interested in believing. You could care less about what happened. And without the peace with God, you'll never have either of the other peace. You will never be at peace in this life. You will be full of fear and doubt and uncertainty because that's what God also provides, the peace with yourself. That's an emotional peace. It's an inner peace of the heart. God wants that peace to guard our hearts. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And here's what we read there. Philippians chapter 4. These may be familiar verses to some of you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We read, do not be anxious about anything. Simply put, don't worry about anything. We talked about this a a few months back. We don't worry about anything. Look what he says as he goes on. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, the, the, the words that Paul uses here are absolute words. There's there's no exceptions. He uses every, as he says there, in every situation. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But by prayer, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray with thanksgiving. And look at verse 7. And the peace of of God, different preposition, not peace with God. That happens when we believe and are saved. The peace with God, right? That's what happens then. But here we're told that it's the peace of God. And we can't have the peace of God in our hearts until we have peace with God. But once we do, we can claim this. We don't have to worry about anything. We can be at peace, peace in our hearts before God. Now, that's critical. Now, get this. Because we have peace with God, we can have the peace of God. But we've got to connect those two. You see, because we have peace with God, he's now on our side. He now looks with favor upon us. He looks at us as having been declared right before him. We're no longer enemies. We're his child. We're part of the family. And once we're part of the family, we can know the peace of God. Because we connect the two. We connect all the circumstances. We connect the dots of life. And sometimes those dots are more than just little dots. They're big blobs. Blotches. And they, they, they upset our lives. They remove the peace. They bring disturbance and distraction. They bring fear and doubt. All of those things that we could look at, things that, that separate us from God to sin, we don't have to worry about any of that because it's gone. But you see, we as believers, sometimes it, it just doesn't make sense. We look at life around us and we're scared to death. 
I get it. This day, you, you don't watch the news. I, I, I hesitate to say it. You, you, you have to know what's going on. But when you watch the news, watch it because you're at peace with God, so therefore we can have the peace of God. We don't have to worry. There's nothing to worry about. Why? Because God is the almighty God. Because he is our father. Always will be our father once we have believed. And if those are all true, what's to worry about? Do you believe Jesus is God? I mean, do you really believe him? Then what's to worry about? What's to worry about? There are believers in churches all over the place who live in worry. Who just constantly fret and fuss and and worry about everything under the sun. They watch the news or read something on the internet or hear something from somebody about what's happening in our community or in our state or in our country or in the world. And and we're just, oh no, what am I going to do? And we worry. Listen, there's no need to worry. I'm not going to take the time to dig into this, but in Matthew chapter 8, you want to read something that will help you? I mean, you can read through the Gospels and see the lessons that the disciples, the 12, had to learn in trusting God. But just this past week in in my devos, I was reading um, through Matthew chapter 8 and verses 23 to 27, and and that's when uh, Jesus and the disciples got into a boat and were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus fell asleep in the boat, and in the middle of all that, a storm came up, and, and the disciples were scared to death. They said, Lord, don't you care? They had to wake him. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Well, did, did they really think that Jesus would drown with the boat? You say, well, that's crazy. Why would they think? Because then later on it goes on to say after they woke them up, after, after they woke Jesus up, he got up and he stilled the storm and the, the waves stopped and the wind stopped and it was calm. And Jesus said, you have little faith. And it says when they got to shore that the disciples marveled. They were amazed at who this man was. You see, they really didn't know him. Because if they realized who Jesus really was, that he was the son of God, that he was the almighty God, that he was the everlasting father, that he was the wonderful counselor, they could have had peace in their hearts because they would have believed that he could do all things just like he showed them. He calmed the storm. But how many times do we go through life, folks, worried about everything under the sun, and yet claiming to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if somebody was to ask you in the midst of your worry, do you believe that Jesus can do anything? Do you believe that there's nothing impossible with him? Do you believe that he is that almighty God, that he has all power over everything? Do you believe that no matter the circumstances in your life, he's in charge well, then why worry? Why, why fret? Why live in fear? 
You see, that's the peace of God. That's why Paul can say, do not worry about anything, but in everything pray. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, we can't figure it out. Have you ever experienced the peace of God in a very difficult situation, and you're in the midst of it, and, and, and God just, your heart is at ease, you almost feel like, man, I feel like I should be worried, but I'm not. And you don't understand it. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's the Jesus who we celebrate his birth this Christmas. God wants you to be at peace with yourself. He wants to give you that gift, peace in your heart this Christmas. The peace of God. And then thirdly, peace with others. This is relational peace. There's a part of me that thinks probably it's harder to have peace with people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ than those who don't know Jesus. I don't know. I, I can't prove that. I don't know if I have a verse for that. But I think Jesus spends more time in Scripture talking about how important it is that we love one another. In other words, that we who know Jesus love others who know Jesus that's talked about over and over and over and over again. Because then Jesus says, and this is how people who don't know Jesus will know that you do by the way you love each other. You see, relational peace is critical. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. And this is what Paul says. If it is possible, notice this, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, there's an interesting use of that word everyone in the original language, the Greek. The word there, everyone, it really means everyone. You see, we sometimes think, oh, there have to be exceptions. God wouldn't expect me to to be at peace with that person. I mean, I can be at peace with everybody, but not that person. No, 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 it says everyone. It's critical that we understand that. But look, look what Paul says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. You see, what happens when we have a bad relationship with somebody? Who do we usually blame it on? <laughs> not me. And yet Paul says, I don't care whose fault it is. He says, if it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live at peace with everybody. That's critical. That's what Paul's taught. That's peace with others. And the further, listen, the further we are from God, the more our relationships with others will be messed up. You get that? If you're struggling to have right relationships with others who know Jesus, we're supposed to have good relationships with all people. I'm focusing here on those who know Jesus. But, and I think that's who Paul was talking about in Romans 12, other believers. He's talking to people in the church. So I think that's critical. But either way, we're to be at peace with everyone 
And, and as you think about that, the further we are from God, the more difficult it is for us to be rightly related with other people. When we're not walking with God, our relationships are going to be messed up. It's just the way it works. And again, that's why we need the peace with God so that we can be at peace with others. Yes, we need the peace with God so that we can have the peace of God within us, but also so that we can be at peace with others. That's why when, when Jesus gave the grace, great commandment, right? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I think the greatest command, love God first, love others second. You can't love others unless you love God first. That's what Paul's saying here. As much as it is possible with you, live at peace with all men. And so what's the problem if you're having a not a good relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your next door neighbors, with your boss, with your teacher, with coworkers, with other students, with teammates, with friends, with acquaintances. Guess what? Look at you and work at that. Strengthen your relationship with Jesus. I need to strengthen my relationship with Jesus. When I'm struggling with people, I need to use strengthen my walk with God. We say this among other pastors often, you know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. You say, you really say that? Well, sometimes when I'm really frustrated. But you know, when I say that, then I realize I need to make sure I'm where I need to be. Because if I'm not, maybe I'm the problem. That's critical. Peace with others. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Listen, God wants you to be at peace with others. He wants to give you the gift of peace with others this Christmas. Listen, as we wrap this up, we may think that peace is not attainable. It's one of those gifts that we dream about having but don't believe we'll ever get it. You ever feel that way about a Christmas gift? I remember as a kid growing up thinking, well, my mom and dad asked me what I wanted, so I really went out on a limb and, and put this one out there, and I just don't ever believe I'll get it really, but um, we got a thank you note from one of our kids. I won't mention who. Um, and, and, and we got his gift form, and afterwards he wrote us a thank you note. Hey, thanks, I really like, I forget what we give him. I don't remember what it was. But he said, but I would rather have had a Nintendo. <laughs> well, there you go. It's not one of those kinds of gifts that we never think we're going to get. Peace with, the peace with God, peace of God, peace with others is attainable. It is a gift from God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When you look at the three kinds of peace that we've just talked about, which one seems more elusive to you? Which one seems right now like you, you, you could never get it? Peace with God? Peace with yourself? Peace with others? Which one feels to you like, ah, I just can't get this? I have some questions 
at the very end there, Stephen, um, that I want you to think about when we think of the peace of God. Are you at peace with God? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's what it takes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that because of our sin, Jesus died in our place to declare us right so that he could turn and face us because of Jesus Christ. And we need to believe. Do you have, are you at peace with God this Christmas? Secondly, is the peace of God guarding your heart? It is the peace of God that guards, that keeps you from that worry, that keeps you from that fear, that keeps you from that doubt and that uncertainty that can ruin your life and those around you. The peace that God gives will guard our hearts from that distraction, from that worry, from that anxiety. Do you live with worry? Do you know Jesus? You can't answer yes to both of those on a consistent basis. If you know Jesus, you can have victory over worry. Do you know him as the almighty God? He can do anything. Thirdly, are you at peace with others? Listen, are there people in your life with whom you're not at peace? Are you sure you have peace with God? Because if you have peace with God and he lives within us, we've got to be at peace. As much as it's possible with us, we need to live at peace with all men. So I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Longfellow ended it. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. For Christ is here, his spirit near, brings peace on earth, goodwill to men. When men repent and turn from sin, the Prince of Peace then enters in, and grace imparts within their hearts his peace on earth, goodwill to men. Father, help us today to know the three kinds of peace that you desire to give each of us. Oh God, I pray that if there are any here that are not at peace with you because they've never believed on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, I pray that today they would turn from their sin and face God and believe that he died to forgive their sin. He died in their place for their sin. Father, if we're living in turmoil, in fear, in hopelessness, oh God, if we know Jesus, help us to know that we don't need to worry. We're commanded not to worry about anything. God, fill our hearts with the peace of God. Help us to trust you, to lean on you. And God, if we're not at peace with one another, if others... Oh, God, I pray that you would cause us to do all that we can to bring a remedy to that situation. God, thank you that Jesus came as the Prince of Peace so that we could know peace in our lives. For it's in his name I pray. Amen.